The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. Welcome. This is Carol Bossert. You're listening to Museum Life and have a wonderful uh, show for you today. Uh, My I have just now met, of course, uh, through various uh, uh, guests tell me about guests and other guests tell me about guests. And this is one of uh, the guests that I have newly met, uh, Angela Venuti is the membership officer at the Museum of uh, Photographic Arts in Balboa Park in San Diego. And she has uh, just recently spoken at Museum Next in uh, Indianapolis and gave a, a very a fascinating presentation. And I encourage you all to listen uh, to that. I believe those are now uh, uh, available for download on the Museum Next site. Uh, but I wanted to bring her onto the show. We don't often talk about some of the nuts and bolts uh, about uh, membership, admission, although these are topics that are flying around on um, uh, social media. We're all very, very interested in uh, how we can do these things better. And what I've found, uh, particularly when it comes to membership, is that we often just do what we've always done. We think that there's you know, a cassette, you know, all membership programs are alike. And what I what uh, really drew me to Angela, and I'm sure you will agree, is that she's really questioned a lot of the assumptions and really been very thoughtful about looking at a variety of membership programs and then finding one that really worked for uh, the audience at the uh, photographic uh, Museum of Photographic Arts. So I think we're going to learn uh, a lot today about how to approach Approach various uh, aspects of our museum profession and uh, the activities that we do. And so, Angela, thank you very much for being on the show today. Of course. Thank you so much, Carol, for having me and for being a part of the distinguished list of people who have been on the show. And it's, it's a really big honor for me. 
Oh, you're so very kind. Thank you. Uh, well, Angela, as uh, you have a very distinguished uh, career and have had a very interesting career trajectory, and so I'm wondering if you would share a little bit about uh, that uh, with our audience. And, you know, as I ask all my guests, those influential events that have uh, led to the way you approach your current job. Sure. Um, I actually have a background in government and politics, and so having that background, I think, made me think of how structures work, how it's servicing people in the best way, and because of that, um, doing fundraising for large organizations like the United Nations or working within the European Union um, really prepared me for questioning, analyzing, researching, um, and that aspect of museums, which I don't think people always think about, especially, as you mentioned, with membership, which has definitely become a little stale, traditional. um, And so bringing that fresh perspective to it, I think, has changed how some people view it, and that was my whole goal. And especially about a year and a half ago, I was approached with what would happen if our particular museum um, changed with admissions. And so then that really lit a fire under me to start looking at what the trends were in membership. And it was never a question of if we should change or not, but really what change was needed and how we should go about doing that. So I really was impassioned to figure that out. And uh, that's how I'm here today. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, as you said, um, you know, membership programs seem to be sort of stuck in a in a rut. Um, what do you think that is? Sure, I think it's because they're boring, and I think <laughs> it's the same everywhere. Uh, which, of course, I'm going to be as honest as possible. Um, and I think that they treat members uh, the same based on their paying level, uh, which isn't done in any other areas of fundraising, especially individual giving, people are very um, given a personalized approach. And so membership is different in that it almost straddles the admissions world and fundraising, but the structure of it is the same at almost every major institution, and it's become so passive where, as you mentioned earlier, we make so many assumptions, and we basically have someone sign up for the year, throw benefits at them, assuming, oh, if you join our membership, you must like this magazine, and you must want these coupons and discounts to our community partners, and it becomes something where they could use it if they wanted to or if not, but you still have that payment for one year rather than trying to engage with them year-long and really getting to the core of why they care about the mission of your organization and catering to that interest. You know, that's very interesting. And as, as you were, um, it, it was, it, it's interesting how, how you, you framed that, that, that uh, membership programs are, are based on uh, asking people to give a certain amount of money. As you, it's, it is uh, almost a development role just on a very, you know, small, uh, small scale level. And then trying to scratch your head and saying, well, what could we give them in return? It seems very transactional. 
Yes, and that's why it definitely seems to not always be in development. I would say most museum membership departments are part of either development or advancement or under external relations, um, but it's not always seen that way, and that's why people end up talking about selling memberships versus offering memberships, or you wouldn't necessarily sell um, fundraising uh, relationships, so it's interesting how membership is spoken about that way. That is very interesting. So why don't, uh, uh, I'd love to hear, I know our, our audience would love to hear as well, sort of, so how did you start approaching uh, the membership program for the Museum of Photographic Arts? Once we determined that we did want to explore changing our admissions, uh, I basically looked at the trends that were happening in membership at our own museum, which was a steady small decline on the annual side. And with that, really looking at what kind of research could I do to figure out what was going on that people were interested in, and then evaluating uh, our own membership community uh, through direct surveys, um, interviewing people. And on the external side, I looked at some of the programs that are unique and innovative because I think there are a handful um, with American museums that are trying to do something different with memberships that are really making a splash. Uh, And not everyone has picked up on wanting to do that themselves, but with the ones that are different, uh, how are they doing it? How is it going? And I did a lot of interviews through that. And so I picked pieces that I thought would work for our audience after having done that research as well. And we ended up with MOPA Crew, that is a $5 monthly membership where you opt into your interest. And so we wanted to start with uh, two areas of photography and film, and you could do both for $8 a month. And really having it be about um, a fun new type of membership that allows people to engage in an interactive way and connect both online and in person. And that was something that technology was important to me to try to find something where if we had a monthly membership program, we're not trying to mail out a membership card every month and kind of revert back to that annual membership. But having a program that was connecting people online and they were getting their benefits by still having that person-to-person uh, community that we really wanted to foster with it. You know, that's very, very interesting. And I, I think that, that uh, one of the, the themes that has attracted me to this, we talk a lot about uh, community and community building mm-hmm. in, uh, in museum programs and and projects and certainly I've had many people on the show uh, whether they're talking about um, doing a pro a, a an educational program that goes out into the community or whether they're talking about bringing people into the museum or whether it's an electronic uh, type of, of uh, uh, social media engagement we're all all the you know, sort of the holy grail is building community, but this is the first time I've ever heard of a um, 
of a membership program that is using those same terms. Uh, so mm-hmm. that I, I find that per- particularly interesting. Um, I it would be probably good um, for our audience to you know, understand the context with which you were developing this program. So could you tell us a little bit about your uh, the museum's current membership and then you know how how this um, membership program was going to you know either build um, I guess solidify the existing audience or build uh, additional audiences. Absolutely. And with the Museum of Photographic Arts, our mission is to inspire, educate, and engage the broadest possible audience through photography and film as a center for visual learning. And so I really honed in on that engaging the broadest possible audience. And I was thinking after we did our initial survey of members last year, is this what we're accomplishing? And basically the answer was no. People were satisfied, but they definitely fell into that traditional museum goer. And it was typically an older uh, member who had loved the museum for years. They weren't using the benefits. And it was something they did because they liked visiting and they liked supporting that. And so there were a lot of areas where I was asking, are you using this? Do you value this? Do you know about this benefit of the membership? And a lot of times that's where the gaps were shown. Or um, are you able to see films that we offer? And they wouldn't know necessarily about that. So uh, it was easy to see from the survey data what audience we had and what we were serving well and who was happy. And then looking from that as to who we were missing out on. And with that, um, being able to identify the barriers that we had within our structure already that were leading people out. And so everything from the annual structure, which really discourages people who want to try something um, for a short period of time versus a year-long commitment? Or was it the payment, which 75 is the starting uh, rate for a two-adult household um, and increases up? Um, Or was it the benefits that really cater to the photography aspect of our mission and not as much the film and video side? Um, And that was a huge opportunity that we were missing out on. And so looking at those areas, um, and then another point that I do um, want to make uh, that I feel is very important is throughout my research with museums who had done something different with their admissions policy and why they changed their membership uh, to be something a little bit more innovative and unique and how they did that was consistent messaging. And especially the places whose membership programs are doing really well, they kept clear, consistent uh, messaging to the public, to their members, um, and all of their potential audiences throughout the process, where some of the programs who aren't doing as well did not. And so, for example, what I mean by that was uh, perhaps if you go to a free admission or a discounted uh, admission of some kind and 
that's obviously open to the, the community. And you're saying, come in, uh, we're opening our doors, doors, we'd love to have you in, and then changing membership um, due to whatever kind of funding model uh, internally that you need, uh, where membership starts at $250 and goes up by traditional levels. Um, and that's really saying you can come into the museum, you can enjoy it, but if you want to be part of our community, that needs to start at 250 and up, which definitely is a barrier for a significant portion of the community and isn't very clear about what you as an institution are trying to um, foster. And so with that clear communication, we did uh, do our um, admissions policy change in the beginning of this year, March 2015, and we implemented a pay-what-you-wish program, uh, which is a little bit different than free, where it's actually becoming a a fundraising exchange. And so we invite everyone to come in and uh, ask what they would like to pay us. And in turn, the visitor then uh, determines their value of the experience and can pay either at the beginning or on their way out. Um, we do suggest a, a fee, but it is lower than what our regular adult admission would be. And so it's a really unique process because I think people are excited to have it turned on them and they get to pick. Um, and with that messaging, we wanted to also have the membership be about that person. And so our new member will get to choose what areas they're interested in and continue their experience with us uh, from that angle rather than us making assumptions and uh, throwing benefits at them that they may or may not value or use. Interesting, interesting. Wow, you said uh, so much in that uh, uh, you're talking and that I really, really want to unpack. But before we we go to break, I guess the one thing that we could uh, just uh, clarify in my own mind, um, I remember years and years ago uh, when I lived in New Jersey and spent a significant amount of time uh, knocking around the museums in Manhattan, uh, the American Museum of Natural History and the Met uh, and um, uh, MoMA, all of them had, it was actually sort of a joke, uh, they had a sign that said suggested uh, um, admission. And theoretically, in New York, you could walk into a museum uh, and not pay anything because you know they were free. But you had a suggested admission. Well, um, so you walked in. And there, there was a, a, a man or a woman in a, in a uniform, and they were sitting behind a desk that was enclosed in glass. It always sort of reminded me of those passport um, people as you're coming in and out of the country or uh, toll booth operators. And they would, you know, they would say, you know, welcome to the museum. And, and um, you know, because I was young at the time and, and was, was with sort of a, a younger, sort of um, more obnoxious crowd, I suppose. You know, there would always be somebody in the group that says, would pop up and say, well, you know, it's only suggested, so I'm only going to give a dollar. And while they wouldn't ever say no, the dagger stares they gave you were absolutely withering. And uh, so you always 
usually you 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 were you were intimidated uh, and you paid their suggested amount whether it was five dollars then or ten or or twenty so I'm assuming that when you say that this is a pay what you wish admission that you've sort of shifted a lot of these other more um, you know nonverbal cues so that it 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 really is what you say it is. Yes, and I don't think we're intimidating at all because especially with this initiative, um, it was a, designed to be a six-month experiment, and we ended up getting funding from the Parker Foundation as a generous way to try this where we had the revenue that we anticipated from admissions underwritten. So it was really about seeing what the community's response would be for it. And um, the past year, Balboa Park has been celebrating its 100th anniversary. And so with that, that was our community messaging. And so we wanted to try this uh, to be an indicator of how that could be used as a financial model for admissions revenue in the future. But essentially, we weren't leaving anything should someone want to pay a dollar. And so I think that part is really important because if that was something that they wanted to pay on the way in and then maybe after they went through the exhibitions, they changed their minds and wanted to pay on the way out, that was great too. But we definitely wouldn't try to encourage or discourage beyond that. It was really about opening our doors for the first time with a different type of admissions policy and asking them to come in, evaluate the, their experience, and do something different. Yes, yes. And as you say, uh, it, uh, it started with, uh, with a very clear message that was being communicated to the community uh, beyond just when they walked in the door and discovered this new policy. And, and uh, I think that also is, is very interesting. We have so much more to talk about, but we are going to go ahead and take our first of two breaks. And when we come more, uh, come back more with Angela Venuti and talk talking about membership and admissions and various policies and what it really means, uh, what it really communicates to our uh, communities. And so stay tuned. We will be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. 
We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com, reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn, or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Are you ready for an anything-goes, hour-long foray into politics, pop culture, and societal tribulations? Then look no further than Between the Synapse with host Mark Tobin. Each show features nationally or internationally prominent guests discussing topics that go beyond the usual daily news, sometimes even way beyond. It's a weekly fast-paced hour that you won't want to miss. Call in to join the party. Between the Synapse airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. Uh, this is Carol Bossert, and I am here today with Angela Venuti, uh, who is the membership officer at the Museum of, of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. And today we're talking about membership programs. And as I've discovered in the last uh, segment in talking with Angela, you can't talk about membership programs uh, uh, without then talking about admissions programs because uh, the two in in most uh, museum uh, income models uh, are tightly, tightly tied. And Angela, you were you were talking over the break, and we, you know we don't need to mention the museum, but um, that there's another. There are a couple of other models. You know, you had talked about um, you know someone who says, well, okay, we're going to have free admission, but now we're going to start our membership program at two hundred and fifty dollars, which would give me pause. Uh, to uh, to spend that kind of money, and uh, on the break you were talking about another uh, approach to this sort of membership admission conundrum, and and would you mind just sharing that that example because I think it's very interesting. Sure, um, there is a lot of different ways that you could do free, and. Especially what you were mentioning, where membership has an inherent relationship with admissions, um, that that is something that you have to look at if you are interested in changing how the membership program is structured. And so there are other places that have chosen to go uh, free admissions, but then have an earned membership. And you can earn either through... Uh, how many times you visit the museum or how many times um, hours that you accumulate with 
volunteer service or another type of engagement um, to earn. Uh, and I think if you look at the value, whether that's uh, how much it would take for an average person to visit the museum um, that many times that you require or the number of hours uh, through volunteer service, um, and what does that equate to admission? Uh, that's an interesting relationship because for the typical uh, museum membership model, for a $10 admission price um, and a membership that starts annually at $70, that would mean that the average person needs to visit that museum seven times in order to make up um, the price for that membership. And so I, that's always something that I keep in mind because that means to me looking at is there a reason to visit that museum seven times throughout the year? Are the exhibitions changing? Are you offering different uh, programs and activities? And what value is it for the person who attends? And really looking at it in that critical way. You know, that is so very interesting. There are a couple of, of uh, thoughts came to me. Again, uh, it sounds as if most of these models are still built on the assumption that uh, the, the major attraction for membership is a financial discount. Uh, and that the major goal of the membership program, perhaps at you know, at least say the the uh, the couple or individual or at the family member uh, level, is to uh, somehow uh, thinking that this discount will encourage people to come to the museum. And while yes, it's very important. Uh, at, to create these places where people want to come and engage with each other, with the art or with the uh, the science exhibit, it, it it sort of takes out of the realm of thinking that people that a museum could build a community that isn't necessarily pushing a product. By product, I mean the exhibit uh, or or the dining room or. Or uh, I I hope I'm making my myself clear there, and it sounds as if that really that mindset of saying membership people only want to be become a member of my institution at uh, because they're going to get some kind of deal is what sort of uh, traps people in a traditional membership model. Is that sort of paraphrasing what you found? Absolutely, and I do think one important distinction, uh, which definitely happens in membership conversations that perhaps other uh, departments in a museum don't hear, is looking at most membership programs, the division between the general levels, which are the lower um, benefit value-based, which I would say the majority of people should fit into within your member base, versus the higher levels, which we usually refer to as charitable impact levels. And so those are going above and beyond um, what I would say is that make and break of the admissions price value and really having an impact with their donation uh, to other areas of the museum. And so as they go up, those uh, are treated more and more as individual donors. And 
that is something that I think most museums have within their structure. And they might spend a lot of the, their time focusing on the charitable impact levels and kind of trying to come up with more exclusive uh, private members-only benefits for those higher levels while really only looking to the other section as something that's bargain-based. Uh, and I think that's uh, not the way to go about it, at least how we think about it and how we talk about it. Uh, one thing I did mention during my Museum Next uh, presentation was that the other departments in museums really focus on how do we engage with the community? How do we uh, make sure that they know that we're here for them as a service and we want a relationship with them and really inclusive, accessible, diversity conversations are happening there. Whereas in membership, which, as I mentioned, all usually follows falls into uh, development, advancement, external relations, the conversations are back to that exclusive, uh, private, members-only uh, opportunities and benefits to offer. And so you're at um, a point where you're seeing two different types of opposing conversations happening, and that's something that I think needs to come together. And I, as a fundraiser by trade, I do think there is a value to having people um, psychologically, at least, being able to donate. And so whether that's at $5 or 100 or 150 and up, um, that, that makes people feel good and it makes them feel like they're giving. And so I think once you take away that, oh, you're getting admission year-long uh, for a bargain, um, once you take out that mindset and that attitude and really look at it as a fundraising relationship, that people really enjoy that because they're giving, because they like what you're offering. And so if you hone in on that interest and what they care about that's mission-driven, you can have a fundraising model where people that are on the general side of the spectrum can have a relationship. And that was something that I was really passionate about um, with starting crew because uh, we really determined um, before going to our pay what you wish admissions model that art is for everyone. And within that, I wanted to make sure that our program was changing the face of museum membership and starting with uh, looking at that general side, not as a bargain. Fascinating. Uh, so many uh, ideas are, and thoughts are, are, are creeping up uh, in my mind. But before uh, I, I uh, you know, sh- share some of my thoughts, uh, let's, I'd like to give you, uh, Angela, uh, let, uh, take us through how the CREW program works. Uh, you know, you've mentioned some aspects of it, but I, I think it would be helpful to just sort of, you know, f- what's the... Uh, give you an opportunity to talk about the overall framework and, and, and what it is and how it works. Of course. Uh, so it is 100% online, um, which we love to tout because it really brings in that digital technology aspect, but also a community. Um, and it you sign up online, and from that point, it's an instant fulfillment, which is really exciting for us in membership because they get their membership card right away, and the benefits 
are a little bit different than the annual program where you're not getting the paper coupons or discounts, um, but instead you're notified through email um, of what uh, is coming up. And it's the structure is a $5 monthly membership based on the areas of photography or film to start, or you could do both as an all-access pass um, for $8. Uh, and throughout the month, we offer um, different surprises and spontaneous um, benefits, which are really meant to get people excited again. And if they love photography, we might have um, photography festival tickets or within the film area, um, exclusive tickets for our um, is fall film festivals. And so looking at that is something uh, to get people really excited about membership again. And it's also uh, bringing into the online community, working with a local website, ruby.com, uh, in a way where social media doesn't always allow you to share your work. And one of the things that we had determined during our member survey was that these are a lot of... Um, people who love to take photographs or love to do uh, films. And so having a place where they can share their own work and to be able to interact with each other, uh, as I mentioned, in a different way than social media allows, um, that's been a really interesting experiment. And I think we're actually going to roll that out to um, the entire membership soon. But uh, really giving a place that the voice of the museum is a lot more personalized and uh, relatable, um, where we want them to feel um, like they're talking to a friend and through that have a social networking um, opportunity and really bring back what we wanted to do as a museum, which was make their art available uh, for everyone um, through photography, film, and video. Interesting, interesting. So, um, the the I uh, I want to become a member and I sign up uh, online and I pay five dollars and yeah. then and then in return I will get you know some kind of, of uh, notification on my on my phone or you know uh, uh, you know a fun a fun thing it sounds in in some ways it's uh, I have a star I have a uh, app for Starbucks and uh, there for uh, <clears throat> I've stopped it but there for a while they would give me a, a free uh, ringtone download or a song or you know uh, a happy face with a frappuccino or something <laughs> You know, something to sort of, you know, it was sort of fun. Gee, what's it What's it going to be next? And so every month then, if I continue to pay my $5, I continue to be in this group with these fun things. Is that it? Is it? I, I yes. shouldn't say that sounds uh, pejorative. I'm sorry. But um, but that's sort of the framework. Now, how do you, uh, so, so I assume, let's say I pay $5 and, you know, I enjoy it. But then the next month I go, eh, you know, it really wasn't that great. And I stop. How do you keep people, or do you care if people stop and stop and start and stop? We definitely care, and I would say it has not happened that often, which is great, but the I think one of the best aspects of it is that people can try it, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to have 
something different uh, than the annual program where that commitment barrier was taken out. And so if you wanted to try it for one month and cancel or maybe six months later um, if you're a student and you're returning uh, from being uh, at a study abroad program or, or something where you're out of San Diego area and you want to uh rejoin, that's an option as well. Because we realize there are a lot of different situations where people might not want to uh, join that annual membership. And I heard that from students or people who might live by coastal and their main uh, benefit was visiting the museum. Or other people who do perhaps live somewhere else and they really like the online component. And so they could join um, for as long as it is they would like continuously. Um, and it really goes back to treating everyone uh, differently because I don't think that all members are the same, but a lot of museum membership programs treat them the same within whatever level they joined at. And that is something that I personally was thinking of when I was debating whether or not to join some of the museum membership programs and looking at myself as a desired uh, audience member, I, I definitely identify as the older part of the millennial generation. And that's something that a lot of museums are saying, like, why can't we get these younger audiences, people who love arts and culture and want to um, be part of either the funding model or um, the general membership population. And I don't think that this uh, standard membership model is really catering to them. And so once I realized, okay, I'm not interested in it uh, because of these reasons, how can I make something that I'm interested in, that I want to um, give my $5 a month to and get people that I know that are also in the same situation signed up to do this. And so that's a lot of where crew came from. Excellent, excellent. And I will point out right before break that uh, if you get if you pay five dollars a month for twelve months, that's sixty dollars and that's uh sort of a, a, a standard annual membership fee in uh, some of the organizations that, that I've been involved with. So um, I, I, can, I see the value on a variety of levels. And so we're going to take our second break. We still have so much to talk about. Uh, Angela has shared with us the, the uh, process of, uh, and the framework of this project. But now uh, when we come back from break, she can share with us how it, uh, how it is working and how her organization is measuring success so please stay tuned there's so much more to learn about membership and admissions and uh, before I break let me remind you that I love to hear from you uh, and I am hearing from more and more of you every week and it is absolutely fabulous. Uh, you can always reach me at carol.bossard at verizon.net or send me a tweet at at MuseWrite. Uh, it has been uh, so fun to create uh, our own museum life community. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and as you know, I have been uh, having a great conversation with Angela Venuti, uh, talking about membership in the new membership program at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park called Crew, and uh, it is very interesting on a number of levels, and Angela, uh, I think you've done a great job of sort of ex- explaining what the program is and how it works, so uh, I guess the next question is, how long long has it been up and running and then how are you measuring its success? I would say it's still in its infancy. It technically launched in May of this year and so we're looking at analyzing it in a lot of different ways and so at least um, on the financial side we are looking at the patterns and I would say really not many cancellations and it's something that we want to have offered because of the philosophy behind the program uh, and what we believe, which is offering people options uh, and really personalizing it with this program. Um, But overall, it's going really well, and we're consistent with our messaging um, that our museum is for everyone and anyone can be part of the community. And so I'm glad that that has stayed um, consistent throughout this year, which has really been about trying different things. And I'm very fortunate that our museum leadership uh, has given freedom to trying different things, and they definitely value experimentation. Um, and this is something that hasn't been uh, put together uh, in a membership program uh, like this before. Different parts have, um, and I essentially took my research and I found a part that I thought made sense for our audience and put that together. But now that the 
uh, membership program structure is launched. It's going. We figured out some of the kinks early on. Now it's really about uh, giving them the exciting benefits and things to do. Um, And that's really been a pleasure um, to do and keep um, molding that into what they want. And a lot of what we're doing now is adapting and trying to remain relevant. And so a lot of uh, what we wanted the beginnings of this program to be about was consistently asking, um, what do you like about this program? Uh, what can you do without? Uh, what can we do better? And making sure that we're catering to those members and making that experience for them. Because it is for them. It's not um, about what we want to put out there as a museum. It's about the members and being part of the community and what are they interested in which relates to photography and film. I, you know, there. I, I just find this so fascinating uh, on on so many levels, and I love the way you're you're expressing it. And but I, I don't want to uh, to overlook something that I feel is so very important. We talk about this uh, on uh, the show a lot. This idea of taking risks and museums inherently being sort of risk averse. Uh, maybe it's it's in our DNA because we want to preserve everything for ever and maybe that means that we never want to change anything uh, but what this uh, I'm glad you you gave a, a nod uh, to uh, the leadership team of which you are you know obviously a, a part uh, that it's a uh, it's a test. It's an experiment. And you don't know what the answer is going to be. That's why you have to experiment. And it's okay. And you may find that you have to modify it. You may find that it's not meeting your your expectations and you'll go do something else and that's okay. Uh, we, I think uh, this is a, is a perfect example of doing something uh, and uh, just seeing what's going to work. The other metric and the most important metric that I'm, I'm hearing you say, and let me make sure that I understand, is that the, the metric for this program is, you know, okay, we don't want to maybe lose money, but it's not about money. Exactly. And that was something that we had to look at our priorities for pay what you wish because that was another set of metrics that we were looking at, um, which I could spend another hour uh, discussing. But with that, we really wanted um, people to be first. And so it was about that relationship. Do we know who they are? Do we know what they're interested in? Um, Do we have their contact information Um, followed by uh, the revenue aspect of it. So whether it's the $5 uh, monthly membership or it's the uh, $20 donation, if you're bringing a few people into the museum, um, that we're placing the people priority first because I don't think there's anything more valuable to a museum than knowing who's coming in and what they're interested in Uh, because I think a lot of museums are starting to see that you have different interests from a family, a young family that's coming through that comes in because they have kids that want to be entertained and want to learn um, through that experience, or you have a traditional older donor who has perhaps loved and been with the institution for years and years, and maybe they're not doing those same family events or even the opening receptions, but they just like supporting it. And 
they see the value in what the museum does for the community with its educational outreach and different programs. And those are two very different people. And I don't think you can lump them into the same category and have the same level of satisfaction. And so I think, um, as you mentioned, really uh, honing in on putting people first and then that financial model, which I think sometimes people think that that's something that we're entirely overlooking, and it's definitely not. As you pointed out the numbers, um, it is actually more than um, the price of the membership uh, for a year is actually more than some of our uh, lower memberships um, because the student level starts at $25. Um, but for $5 a year, it ends up being $60. And I don't think that's necessarily someone saying if they'd rather spend $25 versus $60 because that doesn't tell us much about them. It's really what are they interested in, what experience do they want to get out of it, and again, putting it back on them rather than what we want to show. Well, and it reminds me too. I've I had uh, uh, I've had Susie Wilkening on the show, who always again is is uh, someone who questions all assumptions that we all seem to think are truisms in the museum profession, and then actually goes out and gets data and analyzes it for us. Uh, and I w- was also thinking earlier this year of having uh, Matt uh, Lehrman on the show, who is a uh, fabulous uh, consultant uh, working with museums and nonprofit organizations about uh, uh, audiences and one of his recommendations is to look at each individual uh, member and then ask how can I continue to cultivate and uh, grow that member and it's not necessarily saying how can I get that member to go from a $30 membership to a $60 membership but it is how do I provide opportunities for that member when they're their situation changes. Uh, I think of my mother who lives in Phoenix, Arizona, and when my son was very young, had uh, memberships to all of the uh, Phoenix um, institutions such as the zoo and the science center. And of course, she's always had uh, a a membership to the symphony. But now that uh, she does not have a little child uh, as a grand, uh, as a grandchild, she has dropped all those members, but the symphony, because that's the only one that she she sees that there's something in it for her. Uh, And I think that that is a real loss to the Science Center and to the Phoenix Zoo, both wonderful institutions, because my mom is a wonderful member uh, to cultivate. So I I see that that the way that you are looking at things is, uh, again, Keeps takes us from being trapped in an old model and opens up many new uh, possibilities and avenues for connections. Exactly. And I think really implementing some of the strategies that fundraisers focus on for individual giving, but applying those to all levels of membership because I think everyone is valuable to the museum. Uh, they might offer different um, resources, uh, whether it's their large uh, major gift donation or whether it's a small donation, but they have influence over networks, that's still important and really looking um, to that and putting them first. Well, and I, I would say too, Angela, that, that um, 
one of the the what you said earlier we let's come back around to that is when you talk about having clear messaging and i you know that is the buzzword always you know what do we mean by messaging and and, and uh whether we're using it in well whatever sense we're using it in but i think it is very important particularly as we shift to another topic that that we commonly do on this show and that is about inclusion and who are we including in our community and uh, in our museum community and and who who isn't there uh adrian russell spoke about that at the uh, museum next conference uh, as well you know who's not in the audience and why uh and i'm sure you talk about that at, at your museum and it to me is that clear messaging uh and so for for museums who are asking those hard questions about well you know why isn't a certain group of people coming into our museum what are we really saying to them and a lot of what they're maybe saying and messaging has to do with those uh, uh, membership statements Exactly. And I, I do believe uh, to the core of my heart that it has to be a museum-wide conversation and it can't just be um, education, audience development solely. It has to be every single department because they're all putting out different messaging to their audiences. And if you hone in on what um, the uh, vision and mission is um, with your audience, that, that can be very powerful, and I think that that can expand um, more than uh, museum professionals think possible just because you're having membership and development sit in on inclusion discussions and diversity uh, because one thing um, that I've been uh, fortunate enough to hear is that the uh, community base of your membership should model um, the same demographics as the county for people who like um, what it is you're offering. So for us, it's photography and film, and I think that's uh, pretty widely um, loved. And so with that in mind, were our numbers looking like uh, the county demographics? Definitely not. And I think that's starting to change And because we're offering ourselves in a different way. That's very, very, very well said. Angela, I thank you for being on the show today. I look forward to having you back in maybe about a year because I think that you will have a lot more data under your belt and have a lot more to share with us about what uh, often is sort of considered just as uh, sort of a sideline thing that the museum does, but I think it has. Uh, you have, have made the argument that it is a fundamental thing, uh, that the uh, activity that the museum does and it speaks volumes about how the museum envisions its uh, community so thank you very much for being on the show today well thank you carol for having me and this has been a real pleasure to discuss why uh, changing museum membership is important and really thinking about things in a different way for starting that conversation so i appreciate the time and this has been a real honor for me Oh, well, thank you very much. And we will be back next week with another edition of Museum Life with another wonderful guest. And until then, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. 
Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. We'll be right back. 